What is up, Phoenix family? I'm Ross Cessna, your effervescent and omnipresent host. We're about to go on an esoteric and occult odyssey. This isn't the designer spirituality that is polluting pop culture. It's your opportunity to explore age-old wisdom in the raw. With no further delay, I present to you the Spiritual Phoenix Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. We have Katie Damar with us today. Katie, what's up? I'm doing fine. How are you? Uh, <laughs> long pause. I'm all right. <laughs> I don't want to mm-hmm. complain. Um, so mm-hmm. we had uh, discussed this concept before you and Michael and I, and we were going to talk about progress. I keep getting it all switched around. Let me make sure that I'm on the right page. It still is progress, correct? Oh, you froze up a little bit. I think it is progress. Yes. Okay. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So in regards to the spiritual journey or personal development, uh, what does progress mean to you as a starting point for this conversation? I think um, it kind of still goes back to what we had talked about previously when I was, you know, I talked um, going back to kind of curiosity, like curiosity and progress kind of go hand in hand that there has to be this willingness to be open, but then just even just take the tiniest little step um, effort just very gently. Like it doesn't have to be these big movements. And I think one thing that I've learned this year for myself is that actually when I try to make these big, powerful new changes and I force my way into it, I actually kind of create more restriction for myself. And that really is a very, being very gentle kind with yourself moving in ways that you didn't think that you could and you know that there's an element of curiosity there and be um and just being open to trying new things that you haven't necessarily considered before because spirituality like religious practice whatever you want to call it is a lifetime of work and you will always just keep digging just a little bit deeper and getting a little bit refining just ever a little bit more and so there's never really an end to it and so um curiosity and just a willingness to keep exploring really i really like kind of how you touched on the concept of uh taking small like bite-sized approaches to progress in my personal life lately I've been uh, implementing this new diet. I've been trying this new approach to like working from home, which is like a whole different schedule structure. And I've really been um, trying to finalize some of these other projects that I'm doing. And in my mind, it always sounds great to like make all of this progress. But then when it comes down to it, like you have situations like I've had this past week or so where nothing's going right and everything's in flux and it's completely uncomfortable because like, I'm trying to maintain all of these changes because I understand that initially when making progress, consistency is more important than actual like leaps and bounds. So I'm trying to maintain the consistency, but then I'm also like having to admit that I took too much off it (laughs) at one attempt. Um, And it goes back to the concept that I I talked about very early on in this podcast. And it's uh, the law of persistent incrementalism. And one of the things that I talked about is if you look at, change in nature change that's like uh sustainable is very is often very gradual and persistent but then if you look at sudden big changes it's often catastrophic and destructive like there's not really any big changes that happen um quickly that i can think of that are actually good in nature can you think of any no and i think normally when the big changes come on very quickly we call them catastrophes or natural disasters like they're not fun they're they're exhausting and just yeah and really exactly like the change the gradual change small little influences um over like the course of the year like you might even if it's just a tiny like one 
element a day that you're just you do something very and again i um emphasis on kind and gentle because that's something that i've learned this year that i i thought i was being kind and gentle with myself and really i i haven't really began begun to understand that until this year when it's like oh yeah those those deep, deep core wounds that are in your closet that you really don't want to look at, but you, you know, like cognitively, you know that those are the issues that you have to work for, towards. But like when you finally get that just tiny little bit of courage to really like take those on one little bit at a time, um, it's amazing like w what can conspire against it. So for example, for myself, I'm... Um, one big part of my life journey has been my relationship with my dad that was just very has been tumultuous since i was a kid um I, so i'm now estranged from him and he's estranged from his parents and so there's this like what i talked about when i last was on the podcast this intergenerational trauma that has just come down through that line of the family that through my work with ancestral magic i've been working to heal and this year i so my grandmother died um which was sad because i met her a few times when i was a kid but then it was just like this loss this again feeling that um cavern between the generations of disappearing and whatnot but before she had died she had happened to get me a copy of a cookbook that she compiled of family recipes 24 years ago and but i never was able to like get the courage to look at it because the pain from my dad my relationship with my dad and feeling his relationship with her was just too much for me to be even to be able to process and this year i've worked through enough of those emotions that last week i was able to look it up in the first time for the first time and all the recipes going back to the 19th century and was able to like like all of this like information that had been preserved coming down through the lines i mean like that is like really 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 deep healing to me that is m much more subtle and like i said gentle than i'm gonna go do a bunch of yoga for you know, intense power yoga for an hour like that's yeah like someone might get stuff from that but like this very gentle like in your blood <laughs> healing that i think the world needs works on a much 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 um subtle level hmm. i think that's a really good point as well um the gentle thing has come up for me a lot also and it's interesting that there's kind of uh some similarities in what you're talking about and how it relates to me. I wonder how many other people are experiencing this as well, but really understanding that uh, a lot of my self-talk is generated from like those formative years of, I, I think it's from like being born to like seven years old is where most of how you operate in the world comes from, if I'm not mistaken. And then obviously we filter other things in there as we grow older, but really understanding that what was quote unquote kind for me is really still me being a dick to myself and like setting these unrealistic uh, standards and like being able to pull it back. I, I didn't get the opportunity to um, do ancestral healing maybe the same way, but for me, it kind of came up this year. Also, my grandfather had passed and then really looking at how um, my mom's side of the family in particular was impacted by like alcoholism or the disease of addiction as a whole. And then seeing how that impacted everybody else in my family. And then seeing these like roots of things that I'm working on that I'm healing within myself, but how it's been pervasive throughout um, everything and getting like a deeper understanding for some of the, uh, the, the triggers and the trauma that I took on as a kid. And then also um, looking at how that relates to my relationship with my father, where although he's in my life to some degree, um, him and I have never been very close since I was a kid. Uh, and that's, I would say maybe a time is even more weird to like have somebody there, but then not ever really feel connected. Um, and with the diagnosis that I got over the summer, even kind of seeing how some of that might actually be impacting him also, and then understanding like 
I think when you begin to really do a lot of inner work and healing, you find a lot of uncomfortable stuff to look at, but the progress is in looking at it and then understanding the humanity of the individuals that are associated with it and mm -hmm. removing a lot of the uh, emotional reaction. I shouldn't say removing it, but maybe approaching the emotional reaction from a different way, from a, more of a sense of empathy or compassion than a sense of this hurt me. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Like, um, because alcoholism is the part, like my dad's side of the family has like multiple generations of alcohol abuse and then adult children of alcoholics have been becoming out. So, and then my dad was the gener was the one person within his family who was like, I'm totally distancing myself from the alcoholism. But then when he did that, he basically distanced himself from everyone. And so, in including me. Um, but then, um, um, sorry, you said something? Repeat your question, because like I, it triggered something and then it disappeared and then I'm... Um, I'm trying sorry. to think of how I... Oh, you're fine. Let me think of how I worded it. Um, my mind is not working because I have not been sleeping well lately. I think it was just more so... Uh, wow, dude, this is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it was relative to the uh, family stuff and then... I don't know. I, I guess maybe it's something we're just supposed to leave and, and move on and maybe go in a different direction. Yeah, someone's like, nope, that's enough about that. You guys can <laughs> talk about something else for now. But yeah, so progress. Um, um, oh, okay. Now I think I know where I was going, what I was going to say. So that even um, seeing the humanity within those people. So like mm. um, being able to cook recipes from this cookbook that my grandmother got to me um, really helped me just sort of feel the love even between these my dad and my grandmother and her mother all had their demons that they were battling but in order to but like to see that I was able to break you know bake recipes that they preserved that were able was able to come pass down to me like there is this love that like um that you feel from that. And another thing that came up from when I realized that I had this text, this cookbook, is that I also realized that like my dad, even though he is a, and I are estranged, he gave me the family Bible. So like, like it's so weird that like this one side of my family, I'm way, like my dad's side is, needs the most like emotional healing, but I have more family heirlooms from my dad's side of the family than I do for my mom's, which I'm more, touched with and so it's just beautiful I think of just how things sort of like work that way out that like I've gone 30 years or so 35 years of working through the crap my dad's side but then these tools whether it's um a cookbook or the family bible or um um my aunt from my mom's side has some other Aldrich family heirloom that somehow she got a hold of that she held on for me that she's going to give to me. So it's just weird how like these things, these tools that you need, these very personal tools that you need start to filter into your life to be able to really heal, I think, the core wounds. And for me, ultimately, the progress needs to be working towards that. Um, Mm. in as much as someone is able to do day to day so that we've talked about this thing before of just how much spirituality can be commodified like made into like this sort of entrepreneurial like venture like let's make money and let's just celebrate capitalism through religious practices and that's not really the obviously the end game like the end game is to be happier in your own body in your emotions and in order to do that you have to somehow find what 
what is unique to your life that is part of that core wound and in what way can you start to help break that apart to let healing whatever healing you need to come in to feel more whole and complete hmm. yeah i really think that that's a an interesting perspective there's a direction that i want to take that but first i have a question about kind of the cookbook i actually have a couple questions about the cookbook that are more um just your personal opinion and experience. So for one, you said that that like helps you see the humanity in them. Um, were you close with that grandma at all? Or you didn't really know her at all is kind of what I picked up. You didn't really know her that much. I didn't know her very much. I met her a few times when I was a kid. And the last time I saw her when I was when I was seven, when her, um, her aunt, so my great great aunt passed away at that funeral. So, hmm. yeah. My, my next question then is this, do you view that, this is going to be kind of weird too, but I think that you might dig it. Do you view that cookbook almost as somewhat of a grimoire for like connecting with that ancestry? Like where you're able to conjure uh, up that stuff? Absolutely. So another weird, interesting fact is I didn't ever learn much about what her personal beliefs were, but I'm, um, According to my dad and my mom, she identified as a witch and she constantly talked about how she would work with fairies, but like fairies as in like really, really, really ancient ancestral spirits and whatnot. And as a kid, I didn't really think much of it other than I just knew that my grandma was a witch. And so then to have her die this year, and then I'm finally able to open up that this cookbook that a cookbook of family recipes it's like well <laughs> that's that's a lot of magic working on working mm -hmm. right there yeah yeah, yeah. so um, and i think um it's interesting that you bring that up because um i was just talking with people yesterday about um the sort of comparison of like high ceremonial occultism versus down home folk magic kind of stuff and that like the grimoire like the traditional grimoire would totally be within like the high occultism part but i think you're absolutely right to think that like a cookbook that is passed down recipes from generation to generation is something to bring nourishment and um and healing on a very much more intimate level. Yeah, because if you think about it, like there's all these memories associated with that food, all these meals around the table, all these conversations that your family had around that. And then to have those kind of um, encapsulated into one book, that's pretty charged, I would feel like, energetically mm -hmm. with lots of stuff. I've never really viewed cookbooks as grimoires until this conversation, but it's as like somebody who has a culinary arts degree and who loves to cook, it's a very, very interesting concept, especially when you get into the aspect of food being medicine and all of this as well. Like diet plays such a big role in every aspect of functioning as a human being. So. Yeah. And you can make tea. I mean, just like, even just like making teas that have different herbal sort of um, uses and whatnot. Um, there's a funny recipe for some, uh, it's like plum pudding for, that's like written out as a poem. Like what the hell's going on here? Like like the, the <laughs> ingredients and the instructions on how to make the plum pudding is written out as a poem. Like, I don't know what was going on there, but someone was having fun with language, so. Yeah, I think I think that's an important thing though too. I, I really feel that like, how do I want to say this? Um, do you feel that you're channeling some of those people and those experiences into what you're making as well? Um, I think there's been a big shift within for my, me and my relationship to the magic that I create this year, and I think my grandmother dying was a catalyst so like that was um so i think she died maybe in march and then in april i started feeling the presence of like 
fairies around. But when I say fairy, I'm talking about not Tinkerbell, but like a really ancient, ancient spirit. And this feeling that they wanted to work with me and I was really resistant to it at first. I'm like, uh-uh, no, no. But then digging further into the folklore, I learned that according to Irish folklore, witches get their, the real magic that witches harness are, is from the fairy realm and that they kind of bridge the gap between the mundane world and the spirit world. And so they are just channeling that magic into this reality. It's not, they do have their, the power that they have is the power to be able to interact with, with those spirits and those beings, but it's not, um, it's a much more humble kind of position because it's not like, I'm all powerful, you know, like I'm a big, great wizard. It's, I'm an emissary between these two <laughs> um, um, realities, essentially. And so I definitely do think a type of channeling going on, even if it's not, you know, straight up like losing consciousness and a spirit is talking through me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like a more, a more subtle and, um, passive type one more so than direct mm -hmm. one of the other questions that i have too and, and this will be more about progress um and it's relative to death so i hope this isn't uh, too dark of a question for you but it's something that since my grandfather passed this year as well um, it's something that i've noticed as you've done this work and kind of had this death come up in your family has your concept of death progressed in a way where it's actually more of a celebration of that person like has there been a progression in how you view this whole natural cycle of things you got to witness through um this going on in your life because it sounds like it's been very cathartic and healing for you um parts of it yes and no i mean i've already had i think a relatively healthy um relationship with the concept of death i'm not really afraid of dying i think we should talk more about death I'm a fan of Order of the Good Death and Ask Mortician. And so I follow Caitlin, Caitlin Doherty, who is a mortician who talks about the process of dying. And um, and I, I have a friend who hosts a death cafe, which talks about our, it's a, a time and place where you can go and have scones and drink tea and talk about all of our finite lives, but like, it's a safe place to be able to have those types of conversations. So I don't think my concept of like death and mortality and, um, 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 or mortal lives, I should say, I think I said immortal lives but earlier, but mortal lives. Um, I don't think that's changed, but I think, um, more, um, more than anything i i feel like it's shifted something where i can feel um um so i think what's challenging about it is that it shifted um my perception of what a witch is in my ancestral um tradition and that really shifted then um how I see myself and in ways has allowed me to feel validated about things that I felt for a really long time, but I didn't really have the language or understanding of how to express it. Like I felt like there were spirits around me. I can't see them and I can't hear them, but I would feel that. And to then be able to say, have someone like, now it's like, oh wait, no, <laughs> that is, that is what I'm feeling. That is what's going on. Like not feeling like I have to second guess myself and more than anything, just learning to relax into it because um, I've got folks who have my back, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and that's one of the things that was kind of brought up from learning about the heritage of that side of your family. Sorry, what was that? And, and uh, I was just saying that like the, um, that sense of knowing and comfort and not second guessing yourself, that was a result of um, studying that side of the family more so and getting more information about the heritage. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, 
I'm more, like I said, I'm more in touch with my mother's, my maternal line and I'm like way more in touch with them than I am with my dad's side. But like to have um, this deeper connection with that side, it doesn't necessarily mean that I have to completely um, ignore or even shun and slam the door on an entire lineage of my ancestry that by connecting either with ancestors or the spirits that my ancestors would have worked with, then I'm realigning myself in a healthy in healthy relationships with that. Um, I, I like that. Um, one of the things that Michael and I had talked about when, when we recorded this thing on progress, and I'm curious about your concept of this as well, is that a lot of the stuff that happens when we progress, there's still like this, I don't know how to explain it, but there's still like this tangible front thing. Like if you look at, let's just say a word as an example, one particular word, but as you progress, you find this deeper meaning and then this deeper meaning and this deeper meaning. And then like all of these concepts that you start out with become so expansive and you realize that there's really no end point to their expansiveness. Kind of like you had talked about at the beginning, um, but more so, I guess on just specific things, have you experienced that? And like, what would, what's your take on all of that? I guess, um, just follow the breadcrumb, I think, wherever it leads you, because, um, you're going to find things that are going to pique your interest that you're going to want to study. And then it's okay to end it where you end it. Um, there was a time in my life where I was hard, about like Western Kabbalah and just really wanted to dig deep into that so much so that I like have like biblical Hebrew like textbooks down there because I wanted to learn exactly what was being said in Hebrew and then that petered out like and then I was like you know what this isn't my tradition I really love Western occultism I love um Kabbalah, I love studying all of that, but at the end of the day, like, I am not Jewish, and I, and the the more, and like, that was something that just came about by just digging deeper and deeper and deeper. I'm like, you know, I don't, I'm really fascinated by this. I love what it's saying, but like, deeper down, the more I go, it's like, okay, but I feel still feel like an outsider from this. And, and then there became this element for myself where there's this question going on in the back of my mind saying, you know, all, almost all the people who outside of Judaism who talk about Kabbalah, at least in the esoteric sense, were like English aristocrats. And would how did they actually feel about people of Jewish faith? I mean, like where like in the 19th century what or the 18th century europe where was the tension between anti-semitism and kabbalah and i haven't studied that but i'm sure like that was a real problem where it's like we don't want to talk like associate ourselves with people who are actually jewish but then we want to take jewish mysticism and then interpret it for ourselves under a Christian mantle. It's very, and so that's when I'm like, you know what, maybe this isn't for me. And so then I was able to like leave those breadcrumbs where they were and then go off to find eventually ancestral magic, which is where I'm at right now. But that like led to my deeper, like it led, um, I mean, it's still a part of me. I mean, it's still a part of like my understanding of the magical realm. It's not necessarily something that I associate with now, but I think as long as you're still following those breadcrumbs, even if you come up to doors that you don't want to cross anymore, that's, it's fine. Like you follow more breadcrumbs into another valley. I can definitely respect that. Like one of the things that comes up for me a lot now, or it's something that like, I found throughout this whole process is self-exploration and kind of esoteric studies for me is more of like there's this inner temple inside of me and there's all of these various doors and traps and all of this stuff. And 
what, what I'm getting from what you're saying about the Kabbalah, you still have the resources or those skills maybe in your toolkit if you need to kind of decipher something else that you're looking at, but you don't have to use that as kind of your lantern for navigating through the labyrinth of, of you. Is that like a good way to put it? Um, yeah, I mean, I just think that like, even if we don't, um, um, I think anything that you start to pick up, the, the more that you go into, I think, spirituality, you'll see that certain things that you are attracted to influence other areas of your life. So like for me, that was came a big deal last year when I recognized stuff that my witch school mentor was saying was like almost word for word what my professors in graduate school were saying in history classes where I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like, like mm -hmm. they're like, most people would not be able to see those two correlations, but because like, that is my experience and I'm seeing like what I'm interested in, like with ancestral magic now and then, and being a historian, like that didn't occur to me when I entered that, but like at some point a light, a switch went up. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I think, um, I think even if like you're a scientist, I mean, I think any, how do I put this? My, my, um, my mentor puts it in a certain way where she's like, not everyone has to be a professional witch in order to be a witch. Like if you are an attorney, be a magical attorney. Like you have the skills to like, there's your spirituality, but if you're a writer, write Like incorporate your magic into your writing. If you are an artist, incorporate your magic into your writing. If you're a mechanic, like incorporate your magic. Like, like it's, I think there are times when people can think spirituality has to live outside of the mundane world. But I think that's the truth is further than that. Like it has to be, um, it has to be woven back into the mundane everyday life. And, um, and I think that's, I would say like true progress. Once, when you start to realize that, that like, oh, I'm, you know, a grade school teacher. Well, I can tell stories that help students realize, you know, more critical thinking. I mean, there's just ways, um, I mean, I think ultimately that's what needs to happen. And the, that's the ultimate progress is when you start to learn what you've learned as a spiritual seeker and then start to weave that into everything you do, mm. whether it's cooking, cleaning your house. That's what I did today. Today I cleaned the house, but by doing the house, cleaning the house, I was doing a house blessing on my house or my apartment. So, I mean, like do, do what you do by infusing it with the magic that you bring. I think that's a very, very awesome point. Um, I had written an article earlier this year and I never, never actually shared it, but it was about uh, bringing ritual into your day-to-day -day life. And really what I get from what you're saying is when you apply like mindfulness and intention to what you're doing, like to me, that's what magic is in a nutshell, mindfulness mm -hmm. and intention, and then creating this, um, this set of physical actions that you're doing in the material world, or at least something like that, that you're infusing with this intention for an end result. So like cleaning the house, like you had said, if your intention is to bless it while you're cleaning it, but then you're also honoring the space by giving it your time and attention and doing a good job. Like, that really is almost a spell or a ritual in essence, correct? Oop, I lost you. All right, um, 
So we're back. What I was saying before everything cut out, though, is um, I had written an article earlier this year, and it was kind of about infusing ritual into our everyday lives by just bringing kind of intention and uh, like awareness to what we're doing. And is that kind of what you were talking about in regards to like blessing your house? It's just cleaning it. But when you put the intention of like honoring the space and um, the intention of like, like cleansing it or blessing it while you're just clean, like what would appear to everybody else is just cleaning it. That's what actually creates it. And you're doing this physical um, action with this intention to create this desired set of changes. Is that like, practical magic in a real way yeah and um another thing that i did was i made a blessing water and then put the necessary ingredients in order to like clean my floor so like my floors got literally washed with my own like essential holy water and same thing with my counters um and then even um burning incense to bring in what kind of energy that I would want or herbs that I would want and lighting candles to do the same thing. Um, so for, um, yesterday we're doing a prod. Well, we were learning at my, um, my teacher was teaching me all about how to bless a home and whatnot. And we had to, um, do as, journey work to go find what spirit we're supposed to be working with with like blessing homes and for me it came up that i'm supposed to be working with bees and so that's what i was doing today it was just like i went out and got some bees wax candles burned that put honey in the plants around the apartment building to feed um the spirits with um the stuff that we get from bees you know honey um and um and bringing this as a sort of being more organized with where I place everything and methodical about where I place everything, just like how the bees and the hives, like everyone has their one role to play in this giant, or this tiny little microcosm within the hive. And so finding, putting things back in the rightful places or moving things around that seem like they just don't fit there anymore and um, making the space just even more pleasant in like sort of like the natural order of how it feels like it should be. Mm. I can definitely relate to that. And that's almost like the concept of Feng Shui in some way where everything has its place and energy flows a certain way. Um, mm -hmm. That's my bastardized concept of Feng Shui. I don't mean to insult the actual practice, <laughs> but I don't, that's my understanding of it. Um, I've definitely been doing that with my space a lot lately too, where it's just uh arranging things in a more fluid way and then getting more intentional with how I have it set up. Mm -hmm. And to me, there's, there's a big shift in how that space feels like living on my own for the first time in seven years and having all of this space, but then also really cultivating like a sense of um, intention or, or mindfulness, trying to set things up in a way to where it feels right. Almost in the sense of like, what is my intuition telling me how it should be set up more mm -hmm. so than what's aesthetically pleasing. Um, and ironically, when I do what intuition tells me, it's actually more aesthetically pleasing than I would have initially assumed. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, and um, and you can do. I mean, this—that's just cleaning the house, but you can do that with pretty much anything. And this idea for me, like progress, has this element of like, like gentle effort, but then also like releasing and not again, like not forcing and bulldozing your way through is like gentle effort and then see what happens. And like, for me, it helps to just do it day by day. It's like waking up, realizing, like asking myself, what emotional state am I in right now? And then seeing where I'm at. And then asking myself too, like doing a meditation of like, well, what, what emotion do I want to have today like like do i want to maintain this emotion or am i feeling a little funky do i feel like i need to do like relax a little bit more and then intentionally just like say okay that's what i'm going to gently effort towards today and maybe i'm really great at it and maybe not <laughs> maybe <laughs> i need to like <laughs> back off and maybe and like doing things to help you, to intentionally help you get to that point. So if you need to go for a walk, go for a walk. If you need 
So take a few breaths, take a few breaths. Like don't make it hard on yourself by putting yourself into environments or situations that are going to exasperate or just make what you feel like you need today, what your soul needs today, impossible for you. Like do use tools. Like that's what tools are there for. Like I think I, I'm not a big crystal girl. I know there are some people who just go all out for crystals and I, there are a few crystals that I've bought, but for the most part, they're gifted to me. But like, so, so I'm not, um, how do I put this? So there's people who will go really into like, especially people who are, I think, new to spirituality and new age concepts, they will go out and get the crystal and they'll go out and get the, um, the essential oil that is supposed to have these properties and then they will sit there and assume that the crystal and the essential oil is going to do the work for them. But <laughs> you know, they're not like you have to do that little tiny emotional and physical and mundane effort in order to get you where you need to go. But you can use these tools like the crystals that are help to boost that or the essence, the oil that, allows you to do that or drink and tea that helps you get there or burn um like burn an herb like mugwort or rosemary to help you get like there are tools there to help you um but really it's really coming from inside you to effort gently effort outwards towards that mm -hmm. cool. yeah those kind of things are good um focal points for intention but without the actual creating space and the intention and the action um, or everything else around it, they're pretty empty. It, it's like uh, getting a tea bag and then not boiling water and expecting to drink tea. Like you have to do the other part of the equation. Otherwise there's no tangible results. Um, there's something else that I wanted to say and I don't, I don't know that it's coming to me very easily. Must not have been important. Um, oh, I remember it now. So one of the things that I kind of got in that last thing that you had said, maybe a minute or two ago, was almost that progress is a dance in a sense, because it's not always activating on that active principle. It's understanding when you have to switch into the more passive principle. And then it's also not even necessarily being intentional. It's this act of presence and being able to flow through those things um, in a more intuitive state to where you're not staying stagnant, I guess, is the best way to put it. There is no fixed mode. It's knowing how to transition between these various modes of operation um, with as much grace as is humanly possible in that instant. And then sometimes going into it with absolutely no grace and being okay with that. Mm -hmm. hmm. Yeah. I mean, you sometimes have to, um, it is the funniest thing is like, for me that I'm learning this year is that like things that I think that are impossible to do are impossible to do because I'm setting my expectations of what I have to do, what my first pass to do way too high. When you bring your expectations of what is actually expected of you in order to get this thing that seems impossible done and you bring it down, bring your expectations down to like, what can you possibly do in this moment right now? Like maybe, maybe you want to start like a business, but maybe you have no business skills. So what can you do to do that? Well, learn what would be required of you to get the business up off the ground in order for you to gain just enough confidence and courage in order to, put forth, get the momentum to go push through the fear that is holding you back. Mm. I can definitely respect that. Yeah. Um, having been on my own business path, a lot of it really is, it goes back to that kind of, uh, that gentle push towards things. But the thing that always has been fucking me up in business is it goes back to the concept of it's not always progress. Sometimes not always, um, not always action. Sometimes the progress is being passive and like sometimes the best thing you can do for your business is rest. And right. all, all of these concepts blow my mind because it seems so counterintuitive. And it's almost like as soon as uh, 
as soon as you grasp one concept, the rules of that concept seem to change. So you have to have a level of awareness, but then being aware all the time will just really um, gum up the works too. It's so tricky. <laughs> has that been your experience where it's, it is just like this, this cosmic dance and it's funny as hell and it's frustrating when it's also really exciting. Like there's not a dull moment. I feel like. Never a dull moment. And it's, um, I mean, I think more so than ever, I've like this year, I've taken things really like almost like day by day because um, a, a kind of just like a lot of what we've just been talking about today is that like, I used to think because I was raised in new age and new age is really all about going big and getting your dreams and just go out and get the best job. I mean, it's like, there is a whole marketing element to the new age movement that focuses so much on big, bold moves. And really, I think that's not at all what you're going to, you're going to burn out. Like you can't maintain that forever and you're going to get exhausted and you're probably going to try to like manifest something that you think you want, that you think you want, but you don't actually need. And then you get it and it's not going to be exact. It's going to be like not exactly what you expected it to be. I mean, it, um, it kind of goes back to what I was talking about with you previously of this, um, this element. Of, and I think progress has a lot to do with value, switching the value for need versus want that when you're able to, to, set aside of what your little human ego wants and turn your attention towards what your soul is telling you, your higher self is telling you what you need, there's going to be an ego death and you're going to be maybe kicking and screaming. But then once when you start applying yourself towards what you need, just everything opens up and you're like, oh, it doesn't have to be that hard. Like this is this is the energy that I need. Like B energy is what I need in my life. But even though I thought that I would want, I didn't need it. But like once when I was like, Oh yeah, you're supposed to be working with the archetype of bees. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah. That's like brings structure and joy into my life that I didn't think that I needed. But then now that it's told to me, it makes a lot of sense and I'm excited for that. So mm. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting concept, the want versus need thing, um, especially tying it into like the spiritual business thing. Because for me, for the longest time, I put so much value on getting the uh, names of my business successful that I wasn't taking care of actual uh, needs in regards to like being financially self-supporting and all of this kind of stuff. And it's interesting over the past two months, as I've moved into this place and switched to more of a state of um, being financially self-supporting, the energy and the anxiety of trying to make my business more successful has really reduced. And then mm -hmm. ironically, there's been more movement for it um, now that there's less pressure on it. And what's even more is I've actually been refining some of the stuff by going back and studying tarot on a deeper level or like, really um immersing myself in what i actually loved about doing this stuff and less of the business aspect and it's super funny how like it revitalized everything because it's no longer about being successful with it it's more so about this is something i'm going to be building up and if it works out that's great but if not the whole process that i've gone through has been helpful and what i actually needed um was just my own space and to be self-supporting and there's this whole big uh energetic shift that comes with that one thing i want to ask you um and i feel like this is my, my last question because i feel like this is a good place for me to end stuff if you have anything else you want to add you're, you're more than welcome to after this question as well um you had talked about the want versus need thing and do you feel that the ultimate progress we can make spiritually is transitioning to that um focusing on the need and then how does that tie into the law of compensation, um, which if people are focusing only on their wants in manifestation, in, in my mind, that creates this never ending sense of anxiety, never, the sense of never enough, this constant chasing, constant seeking, 
although they might have a lot of material gain. But in the law of compensation, if you focus on your needs and you're living within your means, um, there's this deep richness and wealth and abundance that one taps into, which is actually what the other people are seeking but will never get because it's constantly the next thing they have to manifest. Um, does that make sense? Like the ultimate progress is like being content in some way? I think so. And I think, um, I think the problem with, so law of attraction, again, was like, is great for empowering people to think about, to consider about what, how they view the world and what their perceptions and the stories that they tell themselves about their lives. But I think where it fails is, um, it, it gives this perception that like, you can just sit there and say, this is what I want. I'm going to think all about what I want. And if the stars align and I'm doing my intentions, like my vision boards and I'm doing it right, then I'll get it. And if I don't get it, then I didn't think the right thoughts. And you'll never be able to know what thoughts you were thinking that prevented you from getting the thing that you want. The tricky, again, like what happens, and so kind of what that, that, that world, that perspective of manifestation looks like is have the ego in the driver's seat and the higher self, the soul, like it's in um, the navigator seat and the navigator is saying, we need to turn right. Where you need to go is the next right turn, turn right. And the ego is like, but I want to go straight. I want to turn left. Like the, the ego wants to go in a different direction because it thinks that that's where it's supposed to go. And then the soul and the navigator has to work extra harder and say, no, 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 we need to turn back now. And then the signs will get louder and louder and louder and louder. And so I think, and so then that, that ties into something that I've noticed when people are like, oh yeah, no, I heard the message loud and clear. It's like, you're hearing it. Like if it's coming out so loud and clear that like they're like banging on pots and pans in order to you to say, oh, I needed to turn right back there. It, you're waste, it's not wasting time, but it's, you're efforting way more than if you were just to have listened to the higher self tell you that you needed to turn right in the first place. And that's what about like valuing or putting, asking about the need or where should you be applying yourself now? It's a tricky way of getting the ego to turn its head and talk to the higher self. And so that now you're actually in communication with the one who is driving the whole thing and you're easing up on the steering wheel a little bit and now you're in conversation with your true life path wherever you, that ends up taking you and there's this element of trust an element of um yeah contentment that begins to unfold because then when you ask well what do i need and it tells you and you trust enough to apply yourself effort in that direction it will then you suddenly make more way more progress than if you were to just sit there and wish and do wishful thinking over something that you think that you want hmm. um so like one of the things i would say then is it's almost like showing up and doing the work without expectation of result and just kind of seeing where the universe or whatever force you believe is animating uh, your life and life around us will guide you ultimately show up do the work leave the results up to whatever else is out there um and do it because you're passionate about it and it excites you mm -hmm. and, and there's elements where like it doesn't necessarily mean you give away all of your control because like the spirits or your soul doesn't really necessarily know what you need to do on the mundane world but if you do what you need to do within the this world like whether this is society of like putting money away in a savings account in order to buy the thing that you want it's telling you to buy or I'm um, I'm um, 
you know, you have you have control of the body, and you know, as long as you are doing the work and doing that, a result will come about. I think. I think that's a very important distinction um, that you made too. That like turning things over doesn't mean that you don't have any control. Uh, because just some quick anecdotes about my personal life. So back when I used to party, I would say, I'm going to trust fall with the universe and I would do a bunch of stupid shit. Um, and then things wouldn't work out for me surprisingly. And that's not a result of the universe. That's me kind of letting go of any like objective reasoning in situations. And then when I came into recovery, they talk about turning things over. Um, and again, really having to understand that that concept isn't about not taking accountability or responsibility for stuff. It's really kind of more so about doing the footwork and leaving the end results up to something else, but then also understanding where, where the line of what is in your control to affect change on and what is out of your realm of influence. And I think that that's one of the big sticking points that comes up in the, uh, the new age circle or certain Facebook groups. There's this big, big disconnect between um, where that where that line is, and for me, that's where a lot of uh, misery and discontentment comes from. Is trying to influence things that I legitimately have no control over, and not having acceptance over the fact that's just not how it is. Kind of like you had mentioned, turn right here. No, no, no. We're going left. We're we're going straight. Like we're going to burning man that's where we're going um and completely missing like all of the more subtle meaningful things mm-hmm. i've been like talking shit about burning man i did it on the episode <laughs> with michael too i don't know what my problem is <laughs> i've never been but i have i don't really need to go i know like certain people that's is like their mecca of it i'm like nope <laughs> no <laughs> i'm i'll just go camping out in the wilderness when i was in my 20s i wanted to go to burning man like when i lived in las vegas because it was relatively convenient but at the same time i feel that i've accomplished the same transformation um at at that point in my life by eating a bunch of psychedelics in my living room or later on in life just by actually cultivating like a regular spiritual practice of prayer and meditation um and to me this is going to sound snooty and i'm completely okay with that like i don't really give a shit Uh, But I think that accessing spirituality and connection to things with something that's associated with effort and dedication is a lot more pure expression of it than just eating some drugs in some weird situation, because there's a level of clarity and awareness that you don't get the other way. And I guess to be devil's advocate there, you need distortion, I feel like to see things clearly. So there's benefit in being fucked up if you can progress to a point of like seeking the same thing clearly but as long as there's no progress and staying in this stuck state of associating spirituality with ingesting chemicals and being in highly um stimulated environments that are unorganic there's like a huge disconnect from what that is i guess my final point is spirituality is practical and the practical aspect of that is personal cultivation and ingesting a substance to achieve that personal cultivation is actually more akin to materialism than it is to actual spirituality. And I would agree. And I would say that like the biggest, the biggest task that I think many, many, many people with new age fail to grasp is the integration of the work that you it's absolutely great to go meditate. It's absolutely great to go on a retreat. But if you're not doing the work to integrate that into your everyday life at work, at home, in relationships, then what are you doing this for? Getting ego badges. You have to have <laughs> so many pieces of ego flair. <laughs> I think that is like the, the critical point. And that goes back to, I guess, the commercialization of um, spirituality in a sense to where it's a commodity. And for some people that's like the new bobblehead or or doohickey that they want to flash to people is I I've done this, this or that. But when it comes to practical application or understanding of these concepts or principles, um, it falls short for most people. And then there's this whole pitfall, I think as well, in a lot of that culture where 
no judgment, no looking at things harshly, positive vibes only. And that's like a big uh, tar pit. Like it's this big energetic black hole of rational thinking and like being able to like see, call something for what it is and like avoid a lot of flim flammery, (laughs) I guess. I don't know. (laughs) But I guess that's also part of progress as well is kind of getting back to a space of being able to have objective truth um, about certain situations and being able to look at things and say, this doesn't make sense. Um, mm-hmm. it, and it's okay to, it's okay to be truthful, I guess. And it doesn't mean that you're bad for having negative vibes or I don't know. I'm just going off on a tangent now and rambling. So, one of the things I've progressed to is a point of knowing when I need to shut up. So. <laughs> Sounds like you've had a long day. I, I have. <laughs> um, do you have anything else that you want to add to this conversation, Katie? Nope. That's everything, I think. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciated everything. Hopefully, I didn't ramble too much. I, I would have rambled just as much, so no worries. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you want to you take us out with the last word? Uh. Yeah, I mean, just um, my website is GnosticWitch.com. I'm available for healing craft services or um, divination needs. Um, So send me a note if you need any help. Thanks for listening to the Spiritual Phoenix Podcast. If you've got a question you want answered, a topic you'd like discussed, or a guest you want to hear, check out the form in the show notes. Follow our social media for other great content.